Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today we are joined by Sherry Tibbs, Director of Client Services at Fundopedia. Now, Fundopedia is an innovative cloud platform that delivers leading edge technology, enabling asset managers to collect and reconcile any type of product and fund data. Sherry is responsible for managing all the software and implementation projects, and she is here today to share her story and share some of the learns and lessons along the way. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm super excited about this one. I'd love for you to open up and tell us just a bit more about Fundopedia and actually what it does, what it entails. Absolutely. So Fundopedia was originally born about 14 years ago. It was a product born in conjunction with one of our original clients. And uh, it was actually a bespoke software project originally. And we didn't really see necessarily a massive... We saw the vision that it could be, you know, game changing for the industry, but there just wasn't really a lot of interest, I would say, at the time. Most of the asset managers that we were approaching, they were still managing things on spreadsheets. I'd like to point out that that is still sometimes the case now. But absolutely now there's there's more of an interest in, in the industry as a whole for software like Fundopedia. So Fundopedia allows our asset management clients to effectively have this one source of truth for all of their master fund data so they can reconcile against it they can send out reports to third parties other vendors you know they have we have this beautiful import feature that allows all of their tpas to send information directly to fundopedia we can then you know compile it all in there in lovely reports and they can reconcile and they can send it downstream and then they can reconcile against the downstream vendors to make sure that you know the the price and fund data that they've sent down to to the vendors such as you know morningstar or bloomberg is evident and live on their systems and it just gives them that level of control and and audit trial that they to date have probably not had as easily it's super important that it's sort of filling filling a gap that was out there in the market right like it wasn't Absolutely. easily accessible at all Definitely. um now your role really fascinating you're managing all the software and implementation projects like explain to us what that really means yeah, absolutely. So all of our clients will enter into what is normally about a 12-week implementation process. It's almost kind of like a 12-week fixed project that we roll out across all of our clients that are on board to use Fundopedia. Some clients who are a bit larger have taken a bit longer and some a bit less, but on average, it's about 12 weeks. So we manage them through that process. That is getting their instance of Fundopedia set up. We create all of their and build all of their reports for them based off their data. We set up and create all of their import feeds for them, making sure that all of their third-party administrators are sending that information into us. Um, we get basically get everything set up for them, structured as it should be, so that come go live day, they can effectively turn Fundopedia on and hopefully seamlessly transition into the use of that in BAU for their business. So that's kind of how how I sit with the implementation team. So I'm responsible for just ensuring that all of the tasks that form part of that project are done on time, you know, within budget, without any real issues. And any issues that are present are escalated up to myself and I just help to make sure that we can unblock those and get them moving. And then on the development team, it's much the similar. We have our head of engineering who's responsible for all of the sort of technical decisions, and the architectural decisions for the product. He works very, very closely with Craig, who is our director of product, and he's responsible for the types of features that we put in and sort of the why, if you like, the why we're building this. And so I work quite closely with both of those, but help to oversee the general delivery of those 
development changes. So helping with things like timelines, helping to prioritize issues for clients to make sure that the most urgent issues are seen and dealt with first and just help to keep those projects also moving along nicely and then I'd say on the flip side of that I also manage the BAU side of the business as well which is just helping our clients once they've transitioned from that implementation project into BAU any support issues that they need any changes that they would like to request all those sorts of things I discuss those with them as well and help to manage that through and then back through the implementation and development life cycle and it's just a a continuous iterative process and I touch I touch it pretty much every step. So interesting hearing you explain that because really it's about an experience and taking the client through that experience. Absolutely. I think when people hear something like implementation software they assume it's quite a sole job um, head down into a computer which I'm sure you know part of it is however everything you've spoken about is all about interacting with lots of different types of people doing lots of different jobs which is super fascinating it's extremely Um, collaborative I think these types of projects would be impossible without that level of collaboration what I really enjoy is getting to collaborate with all different types of people at all different levels within those businesses so we'll speak to people who are on you know the steer co we might also speak to people who have only just started working for the company those that have been there for 15 or 16 years like we really get a real insight into the company as a whole that we're working with and I think that that's really powerful yeah it is and it's so important to share that as well and just pulling on that thread a bit more I I wanted now to investigate into your personal career journey how you've got to this point where you are looking after so much and making such an impact I can imagine there's been a number of challenges along the way I mean your trajectory has been so so steep so fast you've made such a huge impact so quickly but I'm I'm really interested in how you've overcome some of the challenges that have been put in your way as a young female leader in this space it's really important for you to share some of that with the audience Absolutely. I think the first thing that I would like to say is I never really expected that I would end up in the technology industry. That wasn't somewhere that, you know, certainly at school, I wasn't thinking, oh, I really want to work in technology. It hadn't really ever occurred to me. I found when I left school and college that I just wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to be in business. I just didn't quite know the industry. And I I worked across lots of different types of industries in my younger years. I tried them all out a little bit to see which ones fit with me. And I kind of happened upon working here a little bit by chance, actually, which turned out to be the absolute best decision I've ever made, which is great. But I originally started working for another company with inside this umbrella, if you like, and it was called Staff Squared. And it was another product, the Atlas, which is the sort of parent company of Fundopedia and what was Staff Squared at the time. And I started working for that company in a support role, actually heading up a bit of a support department and just trying to create that. There wasn't a fully functioning support department for Staff Squared at the time. So my job was to come in and effectively create one. And up until that point, I think I'd really found it quite hard to really be noticed in a lot of other roles that I worked in and I think sometimes how I present isn't necessarily what would be expected of somebody who's going to be successful you know I've got a lot of tattoos you can see I have the facial piercings I have short hair I'm quite common I don't you know I I don't really always present as what would stereotypically be expected of somebody who's going to be successful especially in a client facing business like we like we have here and I certainly found that as a as a hurdle as a barrier throughout my career really from when I very first started out from college up until the moment I joined Staff Squared and Atlas and I met Simon and I could never thank him enough for the opportunities that he's given me he's never seen 
he's never seen any of that in me he's only ever seen what I can do and what I'm capable of and he really has believed in me and pushed me and helped to mentor me from the almost moment that I started working here even up until now I still am very grateful to him for the opportunities that I've I've had here I think a lot of the challenges that you face when you maybe don't present stereotypically is people don't always take you so serious or they don't take you as seriously as they would do if you did present how they would expect. And I found that a lot. And also my age, I'm quite young for the roles that I hold and have held at Fundopedia. And I think that, you know, sometimes that can be a bit of a barrier, again, with people maybe not necessarily taking you as seriously. You don't have that life experience or your sort of work experience that somebody who's 40 or 50 might have. So I think they're probably the biggest barriers that I've faced is trying to constantly put yourself in a position where actually people do then take you seriously and I think the best way to do that is to prove yourself I always make sure that I deliver on anything that I promise somebody so I will never over promise if anything I probably under promise and over deliver I prefer that method of doing things but I think again through that collaboration with clients collaboration with colleagues and and just continuously ensuring that you deliver on everything that you promise somebody over time, everything else kind of fades away and all they see is what you're capable of doing and what you bring to a project or what you bring to a business. And just trying to focus on that is probably what's got me through some of the harder times. And isn't that really good advice, like under promising and over delivering and just like providing sort of that evidence of this, this is what I can deliver for you again and Absolutely. again and again. But also just what is, you know, sad state of affairs that there are so many people out there that are still biased and prejudiced um and 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 don't give themselves the chance to have had somebody as impactful as you in their world I'd like to think that it's changing I think that it's certainly not in my experience now it's slightly less prevalent than it was maybe when I was 18 19 I remember my very first job out of college I remember them saying to me that I had to wear a long sleeve top because the tattoos on my arms couldn't be visible in front of clients and that was quite a hard message to swallow as an 18 year old. You know, I didn't see that there was a problem with having that tattoo. It certainly d- didn't affect my ability to be able to do my job. But back then it was very much a kind of hidden away thing. You can have them, but you don't let anybody see them. Whereas now, you know, I have them on my arms. I, I don't cover them. I proudly wear them. I go to client meetings and I certainly haven't had any negative responses as a result of that. So I would like to say that hopefully that sort of mentality is starting to change slightly and hopefully it will only get better with time yeah yeah absolutely especially with people like you trailblazing the way and you know you're you've always spoken to me about how passionate you are about you know paving the way for others and that people strategy for the business and making sure that everyone's set up to to be as successful as 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 they want to be without those hurdles so I want you to share some of that people strategy with us absolutely I think one of the most important aspects of my job is actually making sure that everybody else around me is able to be successful you know I want to be in a room surrounded by people who are 10 times smarter than me I never want to be the smartest person I want to be the person that helps to facilitate those around me to reach their goals and their dreams and their targets and that brings me comfort that makes me feel like I've done a successful job And I think it's just so important and often sometimes really lost and forgotten that without those people, without every member of the team that we work with across the board, across the company, no one team will be more important than another. Without each of those individuals turning up every day and being in an environment where they can flourish and where they feel secure and supported, 
your business will it won't be successful like we need every single person in that business and to be a successful leader I think your role is to make sure that you create that environment where those people can be successful and their success in turn creates success for the business. Yeah, and I love that. And I think that that is something that we can all be looking at internally to think, how can we implement that better? So just a bit more in general now, what do you see for the future of work in the financial technology industry and actually quite specifically the future for inclusion within that? Absolutely. I think the industry as a whole is only going to continue to grow. I think that we, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic really shone a light on the need for technology. I think fortunately we were already set up to be a remote business. So we were able to just transition everybody to work from home. And we had all of those tools already set up within the business to allow us to continue to function without really having too much disruption. And I think that shone a real light on the need for technology to get away from things like spreadsheets and, you know, those taking notes on pen and paper, which I am sometimes still a little bit guilty of myself. Um, And so I think technology as a a whole, not even just in the financial services industry, but just as a whole is only going to continue to grow. I think the biggest task that we've got in the fintech industry is changing those perceptions of moving away almost or feeling the comfort to move away from those processes that people have done for you know, 40, 50, 60 years and try to transition them into a more automated process where they've really got to start to trust that technology. And that can be quite hard sometimes. And again, forms quite a a large part of the role that we play, which is trying to ensure that we can instill that confidence in clients that the technology is safe, that it is, you know, going to function, it's productive, it's not going to cause them any issues, they're not going to, you know, hit any, miss any regulatory requirements and things like that. So I think that's a big challenge. And I think it will be a challenge for a couple of years to come I think it's going to be an ongoing process in terms of inclusion I think it starts at school actually I think especially for technology as a whole and really you know financial technology sometimes IT and technology can seem a little bit like a dark dingy less than inviting industry to work in and I think we could do a better job at school of really showing all of the different roles that actually exist within that space and how amazing and fulfilling these jobs can be and I would like to think that hopefully by doing that by addressing it at a much earlier age over time it will filter through that you will naturally start to see more more inclusion in the hiring that we're doing and I also think it's you know a bit of a change of perception and at the top you know we also need to start from the top down understanding that actually we could be more inclusive in our hiring processes and little things like how we set up interviewing times, being more mindful of the times that we're offering those interviews and just offering just offering a little bit more flexibility in the whole process, offering more flexibility with your working life and all of those things that I know we spoke about previously, like four-day working weeks and working from home or working remotely, whatever those things are, all of that different types of flexibility can help to encourage inclusion and encourage a more diverse workforce to want to be a part of this industry. Thank you for giving us those examples, because I think it's really helpful when you do that, because it means that people can think about their interviewing times that they offer and go, well, actually, that's probably something that we've overlooked. I think you're so right. There's often just stuff that we've done because we've always done it. 
that we don't stop for a second and go, wait a second, that isn't very inclusive. In fact, that's actively excluding something. Yes. So it's really powerful you sharing all of that. Now, th- this whole podcast series, I always open it up by saying we're going to talk about walking the talk for change. You know, it's yeah. not just about what we say, it's what we go away and do. And what I really encourage is whenever anybody listens to these podcasts, they take something away with them. So my final question to you is, it's more of what is your call to action with regards to what more you'd like to see of people doing for workplace inclusion? I think for me, it's take a step back and really look at where we are, really look at where we've come to and the impact that each of the individuals around you are having on not just the success of the business, but the culture of the business, just the general feel of it, you know, and I think don't judge a book by its cover, I think would be my biggest call to action. You know, don't miss out on really, really remarkable employees or really remarkable opportunities because you won't step out of that comfort zone that we've all fallen into. And we're all guilty of it at times, myself included. And I think I really have to remind myself to step out of that and look outside the box. And I think if more people did that, we would find a a much more inclusive and just generally much more, you know, effective and prosperous environment for us all to be working in. Amazing. And what a brilliant way to end that podcast. So thank you so much for joining us on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Thank you for having me.